It's Friday the 8th of January. Welcome to our Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. Shane, what was uh, your chosen choice of beverage as you watch the day one of the first test match, my friend? You always got to have a cold beer, I think, to kick that off. But uh, yeah, lots happening. I'm out at the cricket today, so it's fantastic to be here and just taking up in the atmosphere, mate. It's good to see cricket in Sydney and at the SCG. Yeah, hopefully that weather will all be good. Brad Haddon is going to join us today. Also, Olympic silver medalist Johnny Stephenson. Let's get going. Right, Shana, let's get cracking and let's look at this test match. Look, the rain, I tell you what, it annoys the living daylights out of many people. And, and you talk to those from the United Kingdom and they often will say, if we didn't play in that kind of rain, we'd never get on. 100% true, mate. It's, it's frustrating, um, particularly with the lead up to the Sydney test, the, the crowds being reduced every day down at 25% capacity. Look, it didn't rain for nearly 35 minutes. Um, Yesterday, and uh, you know the umpires, Paul Rifle and Paul Wilson, seemed to just be walking around, and you know the the, the tractor was going around, almost ran out of petrol as it kept mopping the ground up. But um, yeah, really frustrating for the punters who are out there, and particularly punters who are watching it on TV as well. I think. You know, it was very light rain. Um, let's get back on and play. Are they covering themselves? Do you think the umpires? Yeah, they are, mate. This is the way the world is at the moment. Everything's overanalyzed and over. You know engineered mate so look it's a it's a it's a tough one for them but um look it, the ground was definitely fit to play it, it was it seemed safe they're worried about one little patch behind the bowlers um in, in the bowlers sort of delivery stride but you know come on um back in the day either bowl around the wicket or bowl a spinner from that end let's get on and play some cricket hey guys uh i just wrote it down because it's easy to, to to uh express it um for me it's been a traumatic few weeks in my personal life and for those i love Unfortunately, my actions have impacted the team and more importantly, the people I had closest to me, Kristen and my family. I'm taking steps now to address these issues and I feel it would be in the best interest for the club for me to step down as captain for this season. I love this club and I love my family and I'm committed to working as hard as I can to be the best man I can be, both on and off the field. So I appreciate some respect moving forward and a bit of time to get back to training. Thank you. Mitchell Pearce, it was a pretty teary kind of statement, wasn't it? Look, you always wonder for people's mental health, don't you? And, and, you, and I hope that all the due diligence is being done in and around Newcastle. A lot has happened out of that one text. What did you make of what you saw? Oh, the guy was was clearly upset, um, and and so he should be. He's let his his family down. He's let his team teammates down. He's let himself down again. Um, but um, I think they're they're a pretty tight knit um, club up there at the Knights, and um, and and they'll pull together, and. Probably the fact that it came really early in, in the preseason, probably a good thing, and um, hopefully you can get on and, and have a good season. But, uh, yeah, it's more than strike one for old Mitchell Pearce. He's got to uh, really have a good look at himself, I think, mate, and work out what he wants to do, not only on the football field, but <laughs> in life in general, I think. Well, finally, just before we hear from your old mate, old teammate Stuart Clark, because I uh, got out and uh, spoke to a few people when I was at the Test match yesterday, what about the money in um, world sport? We talk about some of the money here in Australia and it just pales in comparison to uh, places like the EPL. Oh, mate, the EPL, you, you saw overnight um, Arsenal Football Club took out a £120 million loan to pay for one of their players, Ozil, who is on £20 million a year and he's not even on the bench at the moment. It's ridiculous money and... Um, you know, but TV rights have gone through the roof and uh, but some big, big money going around sport these days, mate. 
It's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Well, let's get back to a little bit of cricket. And I got out and about at the uh, day one of the Sydney Test match. And I caught up with your old teammate, Stuart Clark. All right, in the field for afternoon sports. Stuart Clark, how are you? Good, thanks, Timmy. Yeah, I'm sitting here at the SCG with you, and unfortunately, it's uh, miserable. Is the well, answer. Gives us the opportunity to have a little bit of a chinwag about this test series. Uh, it's so even, isn't it? It's really interesting. The whole series has been like that, hasn't it? We saw Adelaide. Other than the, that one session in Adelaide where India got bowled out for 36, I think India have shown that they're a, a real force to be reckoned with. They've always struggled out here in Australia, but this time around uh, they've looked the goods, they can bat, they've got a, just a production line of fast bowling coming through, and they've been really competitive. And we saw in Melbourne that if the conditions are right and they two of their batters can get in, they're going to post a decent total. You're a fantastic bowler for Australia, but the thing a lot of people don't know is that you could have played for India. <laughs> Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Maybe I should have back in the day. Uh, Mum and Dad were born there. And uh, look, you got to remember when I played, the IPL wasn't a big thing. You know, maybe that'd be different now if the IPL was around and you could play on an Indian passport. But look, I was happy playing for Australia. Man, I was born out here and I'm Australian through and through. But sometimes you look at the dollars that the Indian guys are getting paid and you go, mm, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. The whole psychology has changed in the Indian cricket team, hasn't it, to the days that you started um, as a cricketer and... And, and days before that where they were a meek and mild cricket team that would come out with a few stars and tend to travel home meek and mild and, and not win anything. This is a very different team with a lot of good cricketers and strong depth. They've got huge depth, uh, different different style of play. There's a lot lot younger and a lot more forthright is the younger Indian community. And, they're, you know, it comes with a lot more power, a lot more wealth in the game of cricket. But I think just the society over there in general has become far more um, brash and bold. And that's still not to the level of, of you know, Sydney, of Australia or, or England and places like that. But certainly it flows in their cricketers. And when you look at Virat Kohli, who's the leader of their team, he's not here at the moment, He um, he sort of... It just flows out of him. He's got this style, this confidence, this swagger, and uh, the rest of the Indian team follow him. Uh, interestingly, Rahane is completely different, but they still all respect him, and he's still got that confidence about him. And look, the IPL is just unearthing cricketer after cricketer after cricketer, and they're making lots of money, and they've, the game is really thriving on the success of the game in India, which feeds all the other countries. Every country around the world wants India to come to their country and play them because the TV rights, when you sell them back to India, are massive. Through the roof, absolutely. It's extraordinary. Even from the early times that I started going to India as a, as a young reporter, just, just finally, do you think they wanted to go to Brisbane? What, what, what do you think of the smoke and mirrors around oh, going inside the bubble? Look, I, I can see how it would really deteriorate people because it's difficult. But what did you make? Because some, some cynics were saying, oh, they just didn't want to go to Brisbane because uh, visitors' records in Brisbane are crap. Oh, look, it's hard to say. That, that is a factor. No one, no, no touring team wins in, uh, in Brisbane. And I think the last one was Richard Hadley's team back in 87 or 85 or whatever it was. So, um, they certainly wouldn't want to play up there. They'd rather play in Sydney or Melbourne or Adelaide or wherever it may be. That said, there's a lot being discussed, talked about. And I can understand living in a bubble for, it'll be six months for some of these guys straight. But in saying that, I was listening to Crash Craddock and, and he made a really good point the other day where he said, well, what do they do anyway? You basically stay in your hotel most of the time. These guys live in India and the Indian, they can't go outside. They're rock stars in their country and in a country with a billion plus people, they can't go for a walk down the shops because they just get mobbed. So it's really no different. You've got to weigh all that up. I really don't know what will happen here, but, you know, I, I worry sometimes that the that the 
fear of playing in Brisbane on a really bouncy quick wicket may be, uh, may be influencing their thoughts. Not saying it is, but maybe it is. Yeah, I'm loving the series. The cricket is just fantastic. Final message uh, to your great teammate, Shane Lee. Uh, say good day to him. <laughs> good day, mate. Good to see you uh, doing well, and uh, we should catch up soon. Well, there he is, your old teammate, Stuart Clark. Mate, he's a, he's a, he's a beauty, Stewie. Uh, Safraz, yeah, named after the Pakistani fast bowler, and he always had this funny sort of nervous sort of twitch at the top of his bowling mark where he'd sort of move his, his head to the left. He'd sort of be dunking his ear and Mark War records it was because he'd been swimming. He might have had a bit of water left in his ear. So he was a good guy and a smart guy, um, a lawyer by trade and um, a fantastic team man. Yeah, he's a genuinely decent fella and loves a laugh. All right, this is Afternoon Sport. Coming up next, Johnny Stephenson. Boy, oh boy, this Melbourne Grand Prix. It looks in a lot of doubt. Afternoon sport, and of course, it is one of those moments in my life, particularly in my week, that I really look forward to, and it happens a few times. Johnny Stephenson comes online. How are you, Steph? Timmy Gilby, you know how to make a black man blush. What's going on, Shane? <laughs> oh, you're a good man. All right, well, let's talk Conor McGregor. Now, my, my son loves playing that Conor McGregor song, which a few people may be uh, familiar with that are listening to this. It's got a few choice words. It's all centred around his fight with Floyd Mayweather. So I'll ask you about that in just a tick, about what happened there. Uh, it's all probably years ago now. But he's getting ready for a, a big fight. And... and to his, his original discipline of the UFC, and it's coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, Tim, look, this I, I know about a couple of weeks back, I sort of bagged the first card of the UFC, but this one really excites me. I mean, um, Connor's obviously making his, uh, he's, he's, well, because of COVID last year, made it extremely difficult. He's a big bill, right? Um, every time he fights, UFC are smart. This is how they really sort of capitalize on that investment that they paid $4.2 billion for for the UFC. So anytime they have a superstar, they need to make sure that the pay-per-views reach high numbers and, and that it makes money. So we didn't get to see Connor as much as we wanted to in 2020, obviously due to COVID. Um, we saw him fight um, Cowboy Cerrone at the beginning of the year, and then we didn't see – he wanted to be more active last year and obviously couldn't. So seeing him come out in the 2030s, fighting a guy by the name of Dustin Poirier, who he has fought before and has knocked out before, but it wasn't a lighter weight class, and it wasn't a time where I feel Connor maybe was a bit more dedicated and a bit more focused on becoming number one. Um, but we've seen Dustin just improve tenfold and have a number of brutal fights where he's actually dominated and done really well. I mean, I actually watched a fight last night with him and Dan Hooker, who's fighting on the same card on the 20, on the 23rd. And, and their, their, their pace was, was just unbelievable. If, if I was a betting man, I'd like to say, I'd, I'd sort of say this fight, um, I have a feeling that Dustin will win. I think he will weather the storm the first two or three rounds. If Connor can't knock him out, Connor has been proven to fall apart in rounds three, four, and five. He just can't carry the cardio that's needed for the for the championship fights. So he's reliant on on putting a lot of pressure and being able to knock his opponents out early, which he does very, very well. That is the only card he can play, I feel, in this fight against Dustin. I think the pace will be high. I think Dustin won't be as intimidated as what he was in the beginning. Um, and I, I would like to think that Dustin gets a fourth or fifth round stoppage um, in this fight and gets the win. John Conor McGregor seems to be a good fighter, but do you reckon he's a little bit over the top? And also, do you reckon his time in the sun is fading? No, look, I like his style. I like I like what Conor's done um, as far as the Conor McGregor circus. You know, like he, no one has done it better than the UFC. 
Um, he brings massive attention to the sport. Unfortunately, has been for some negative reasons um, as of late over the last couple of years. Um, but it looks like they, they're saying this is going to be the new revived Conor McGregor come this fight. They say he's fully focused. He's ready to go. But I don't know. He just sold his, his whiskey line, Proper 12, to Jose Cuervo. And I think the number was was in the hundreds of millions to maybe even the billion dollar mark. Uh, I don't know what his motivation will be like. It's that, that old chestnut, you know, you make a whole lot of money. It's, it's a lot harder to get into that hexagon and, and, and start to fight. Um, I don't want to sound like one of those cynical um, couch you know, viewers who, who, who are cynical, uh, being an ex-athlete, I think, you know, if you love the sport, you love the sport, you give it the best, no matter how much money you make. But um, but it's, look, it's not only Connor fighting on that card uh, come the 23rd. Um, there's a really, there's, there's a guy by the name of Dan Hook, who I mentioned earlier for Dustin, um, previously um he's fighting a guy by the name of michael chandler this is a massive fight this is the co-main event um this is this this is going to be again an all-out war whenever dan hooker fights is it's always a bloodbath he reminds me of rory mcdonald from canada who used to fight back in the ufc years ago um anytime he fought uh it was always an epic fight and uh and I'm looking. I'm looking forward to to watching Dan fight. Who trains with Israel Adesanya out of New Zealand? Um, and there's another keep in the featherweight division, Akeem Dawudu. And I, again, uh, in the lighter weights, but um, action-packed fighting. Just action-packed fighting. Uh, um, a, a guy who I think will be world champion soon. Um, so you know, the 23rd looks like it's going to be a great card. I'm looking forward to it. And what a way for the UFC to start off with their biggest pay-per-view star fighting in the first month of January. All right, now let's move it on to the Grand Prix. It looks like, um, look, it's going to be hard to get this Grand Prix going in Melbourne, isn't it? Uh, I'm just uh, I, look as a motorsport lover, I'm completely devastated for the sport. Um, as a lover of Victoria, I lived there for five years. I'm devastated for Melbournians. Um, like I said to you, you know, you don't go to Melbourne for the beaches and the weather. You go to Melbourne for its sports and its entertainment and its social social culture it provides. So, uh, the word on the street now is they're saying postponement, but the reality is it'll be wiped. They will make Bahrain the first event for the Formula One calendar, and we'll see the Australian Grand Prix does not take part in the 2021 season. It was all stemmed because the Victorian government have very strict rules around their quarantining, uh, where the Formula One presented to them creating their biosphere that they created for their 2020 season around the countries that they participated in. What worries me with this is what does this mean for other sports, right? We've got the Australian Open happening. There's a lot of nervousness around that now. That's going to be policed and quarantined as far as players and athletes. There's a lot of moving parts when it comes to these sporting events. What does it mean for Australia? And we've got such a rich sporting culture um, and, and the world knows that. And especially Melbourne. Melbourne, I think, is a sporting capital of the world. It's, it's, they really know how to put on an event. And with this latest uh, news on the Formula One and seeing how well F1 did controlling the COVID-19 throughout the 2020 season with very, very little knowledge and education around it. And they did extremely well. And I mean, they managed to have a full, well, somewhat a full season seeing a Lewis Hamilton being crowned world champion again. It, that really worries me for other sports that haven't done this, right? Um, and and it's, it's, it's sad to hear because I, I, we all look forward to, and I think the world looks forward to Melbourne putting on the first event for the Formula One calendar and the motorsport calendar. The thing is, Melbourne needs Formula One more than Formula One needs Melbourne at the moment, don't you reckon? Well, that's all. That's what's worrying. To me, you know, I, I, I think the biosphere would have been more than, you know, sufficient 
for them to have the F1. Um, but look, we're living, look, uh, not to digress here, but we're living in a society now where I think a lot of the Melbourneian has been traumatized by the lockdown over the last, you know, you know, it, it ended up to be almost six to seven months, Tim. I mean, we're talking full lockdown, you know, and I think, I think Melbourneians just don't want to experience that again. And, and I think the government don't want to make the same mistakes they made in the first place to get there. You can see why people are scared though, can't you? And look, we've seen it with uh, the, one of the hotels in Melbourne. A lot of people who, who live in and around that hotel didn't want tennis players coming in from every dot of Europe and all through the world because they're thinking, look, we've just had the darkest of winters. Uh, do we really want to do that again if we put ourselves in a susceptible position? Yeah, I'll, look, as you know, Tim, you know my views on COVID. Um, I think this disease is not going anywhere. We've got to learn to live with it. I respect the fact that it does kill. I respect the fact that there's people out there that, that we need to protect, they're vulnerable, we need to protect our elderly. I get that. But um, I just don't know how, how much longer we can we can run from this disease, uh, you know, before before we're gonna have to learn to live with it. And and it's 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 being shown now with our sport, people are so scared um, that you know the things we loved, we once loved, we're happy to go without, which is these big sporting events. John Mercedes seems to be moving forward in leaps and bounds when it comes to technology in their cars. Have you got any insight as to what we could expect from them this year? Latest news out of Germany, there's a German company, uh, they call them metallurgists um, that have created the, the, the alloy. They use a lot of alloy in the engines, um, have created a new parts for their alloy engine parts um, for their drivetrain. Um, and Mercedes, well, the news coming out of Bricksworth is that Mercedes 2021 power unit is 25 more horsepower um, stronger than what it was last year. Now, wow. for, any, for the lovers of Ferrari who just struggled last year and Red Bull and and all those other manufacturers, this is this is like another dagger to the heart. Um, it, it looks like Lewis Hamilton's heading for his eighth world championship um, if it continues to go in this trend. I mean, now power is not the only thing in Formula One. Aerodynamics plays a massive part in having a fast car, but it, it's definitely it's definitely you know it's definitely great for Mercedes um, for them for the twenty twenty one season and um i reckon if you want again i know i'm always talking about betting but i, I jump on the betting app and see how much lewis hamilton is paying for an eighth world title and I, I reckon you'd be uh you'd be a pretty safe bet by the by the looks of it yeah yeah amazing isn't he he's just a once in a generation that guy just phenomenal and mercedes just getting better and better now now lightening the subject a little john um now we're keen followers uh dan dan McHugh, our award-winning producer of course who really is, uh, when it comes to podcasts, he is what Rudolf Nureyev was to dance, really. Um, we both love your Instagram page. Got a new hairdo, Brew. Listen, Tim, you know, I'm a massive believer, man. If you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you perform good. And I stay fresh 24-7, Tim. And I just can't, <laughs> that's just my swag. I just can't help it, my guy. And the thing about you is that, you know, coupled with your modesty, it's just lovely. John, good to talk. Love you, boys. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. See you, mate. Coming up on the show, Brad Hatton is going to join us to have a look at test number three. Stump to Stump is Australia's newest and most interactive cricket platform for all cricket fans, players and clubs to share stories, match results, memories and experiences. Stumptostump.com All 
right, it is time to stitch apart what happened on day one of the first test match. And Shane, we've got a very f- special guest. He's a good man. His name's Bradley Haddon, a former Australian weirdkeeper. How are you, Hads? Hi, boys. Mate, interesting day yesterday. Australia 2 for 166. The, the wicket seems to be pretty sort of placid, doesn't it? Yeah, it was a frustrating day. Um, that was because, obviously, the weather. But there's a bit of excitement around. Will Pekoski finally mm. um, got his debut, which was... I think really exciting for for everyone after the dramas he's had with um, head head knocks and and he's had a couple of false starts to to get here. But I thought he was outstanding. He was really composed. But Steve Smith was one yesterday that mm. he said he'd been too placid in the in the previous two Test matches and and come out with a lot more intent. Took Ashwin on um, and and showed um, what we got him saw today. Yeah, and I spoke to you at the test match yesterday on a, on a couple of occasions, and you'd spoken to Steve Smith. He said he was confident he'd found his hands again, and uh, yeah, it looked good. So did uh, Manus Labuschagne. Look, one thing that we did mention early on, Brad, is just the rain delays and how long we are off the field. Is this an ICC thing? Are we getting a little bit too precious? Like you talk to guys in the United Kingdom and they say, look, if you didn't play in the rain, you'd never get on. Yeah, I could see the frustration yesterday with the crowd. And one of the great things yesterday was there was a crowd at the cricket. We've had a really ordinary 12 months all around the world. But to have a crowd at the cricket yesterday and and our jobs there is to entertain. So there was times when it looked like play could have got underway Um and there was a hold-up with, with umpires having to reassess the ground and come in and out. But, yeah, it, it was frustrating. Um, and, and I think it is an, an ICC thing that uh, they need to have a look at. Hads, what do you make – I don't want to put you on the spot here, but what do you make of that, that uh, Rishan Pant non-catch? Yeah, that was an interesting one. It, yeah. it to me, a little bit like um, – or I've made another mistake um, and just yeah. panicked a bit and just thought he, he'd, he'd claim it, it – I, I thought straight off the bat it, the ball had touched the touched the ground, but mm. yeah, he had a bit of a disappointing day behind the stumps. Um, he, he didn't do himself any favours with that one, but it, it's been the trend of the, the series. I've been a bit shocked actually um, about how many catches have been yeah. put down from from both teams. We've seen a little bit of uh, the same trend in Big Bash also at the at the start of the campaign there. So yeah, it was it. Pants was a little bit disappointing. Yeah, and it's a dangerous place to tread, isn't it? Because some players get their cards marked forever, don't they? With re- with regards reputation, it's a bit like sort of nudging a ball in a bunker when you're playing golf or, you know, giving it the lazy little uh, shoe wedge from behind the tree. Yeah, they, they can. And, yeah, it was. he just had one of those days where nothing really stuck for him. And, and just there, it looked like he just panicked a little bit. Um, his teammates were around him um, and he just went with the emotion, didn't he, rather than the, the common sense answer. So it had a big day for the Aussies today with Labuschagne, Smith and, um, and and the state of the wicket. Do you think we'll try and get as big a score as we can and hopefully only bat once? Or what, what do you think the, the plan is? Can we bowl them out twice on this wicket? Yeah, I think we can. Um, I, I think that they'll try to bat as big as they can today and post some scoreboard pressure on India. It's, it's been a um, bowler-dominated series so far, Shano. So... Yeah. I, I, if we give our um, fast bowlers a day off, and, and which we have, and hopefully we give them another one today, I, I think, yeah, we can bowl them out on this wicket. We've got Nathan Lyon, who bowls really well also yeah. um, at the SCG. And, and, and I was impressed with um, Green also, the, the first few tests. I, I know we've got mm. a great um, 
three fast bowls in Cummins, Stark and Hazel. But Green's going to add a lot, lot of value there. It's only going to be 10 overs, but he's going to allow those guys to have a break. And, and every time they come back, they're going to be fresh and they can be aggressive to, to the Indians. So oh, I think we can get 20 wickets. We just sent a big total today. Big Bash, very popular at the Gilbert household. We were watching and listening to your mellifluous tones last night, Brad. <laughs> uh, a couple of couple of interesting games. Uh, Brisbane has continued its winning ways in a in a reduced game. And Chris Lynn, look, when he goes off, he just goes off. Didn't he get man of the match with that uh, near 50, 40, 80 scored? And the Thunder, well, they're just finding a way. They, they lost that game um, the other day, but they've come back and bowled beautifully after protecting what was a pretty modest total. Yeah, I actually thought... Last night's game with the Thunder, I thought the Hurricanes were about 15 runs short. Yeah. Um, but, oh, the Thunder, sorry, were about 15 runs short. But the, the way they came out, the Thunder, and the way they, they bowled to their plans, they're, they're a very well-planned team. Shane Bond leaves nothing to, to chance. He's getting a lot out of that bowling group there at, at the moment. And I think the big difference for them is being young Tanvi Sanger. I, I yep. think they've mi- missed a, a spinner that, can take wickets through the middle. Um, he's got a few tricks up his sleeves where batters are finding it hard to pick him. And, and I think he's complemented that attack really well. Chris Green's a, a handy off spinner and he's done well this year, but he, he builds a lot of scoreboard pressure with dot balls and um, how cagey is with, with his length. But it, it's been Tanvi Sanger to, to me, Timmy, that's, that's created an X factor for the Thunder and allowed him to have that wicket taker in the middle overs. Yeah, big time. Tanvir, um, Tanvir took two for 29 or four overs and Chris Green, two for 23 or four. That Nathan McDonald, the Oak Flats boy, he's all right too, two for 25. Um, I reckon that Ben Cutting's a big um, asset too to the Thunder Hads. One, is it was at the stage of his career, I reckon he was getting a bit stale at the, the yeah. heat. And, and we've seen last time um, they played the, the heat, Chris Lynn had a few choice words for him, which is always... Yeah. Uh, which is always good to watch. But oh, I think the one thing that suited him is this new power surge. Mm. He's been a huge factor for, for the Thunder with those two overs at the back end of the game where they can have all but two fielders um, out of the ring. So he's made a huge difference there. Last night, that their total looked like it was going to be about a 140 to, to cutting, got hold of those last two power surge overs, and they put four... In the last four overs, they put on 50 runs. So I think that rule change has really helped his batting as well. Finally, and this is, is quite controversial, isn't it? And it's, it's, it's bubbled away. It sort of tends to come with the territory when you're playing cricket against India. There's always a little bit of drama around scheduling and this, that and the other. The BCCI sort of gets involved. Uh, there's still no 100% confirmation that this GABA test is going to go ahead. There could be. A possibility of a second Sydney test match. Well, it's always good to get two tests in Sydney, would be. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting, this one, Tim. And it's going to be interesting where it goes over the ne- next few days. Um, there's a, a bit of rumblings in the media box about it yesterday. BCCI made official, um, written official letter to Cricket Australia about their concerns with, with going to, to Brisbane. But I, I can't see how... Brisbane can lose the test match. Um, India have come to, over to Australia. Yes, they've been in, in lockdown for a long time and we appreciate their, their effort with that, but it, it, it's just part of uh, how we live at the moment. They under, they understood the protocols when they arrived in Australia. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can't see any reason why the Brisbane test wouldn't go ahead, but 
we know how powerful the BCCI can be. Hey, Timmy, I just got one more question for Hads. Um, and Dave Warney yesterday batting, and I know the guys at Spartan were, were keen to get him out there as, as their their marquee player. But um, and had and he also said he wasn't one hundred percent fit. He didn't look fifty percent fit, did he? He couldn't push off his back leg, and the shot that he got out on was sort of like uh, he's just throwing his hands at it because he couldn't really transfer his weight through to his front foot. What, what were your thoughts, Hads? Yeah, you're 100% right, Shano, but I'm taking the risk in this game on with David Warner. Yeah. Um, I think what, what he provides at the top of the order um, is that presence, and, and I think that's what Australia missed a little bit through the series. Someone has the presence of David Warner at the top of the order to get the energy into the game, put a bit of doubt in the bowler's mind if they're they going to bowl a bad ball, you know he'll jump on it, you know he'll yeah. move the game forward really quick, but... You're right. He looked like he was labouring a bit um, with the with the way he was running. So, yeah, it was it was interesting that they decided to play him. But my gut feel is that you, you had to play him in in a series that was on the line, one all. They have to win this Test match to yep. retain the trophy. But yeah, it'd be interesting where he feels. Uh, I think he'll have to feel that um, first slip. Yeah, you think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, it, it, uh, but it, it was really interesting and, and backing up what you've just said there and you saw it in Tim Payne's article the other day when he said when Warner's around the group, particularly the younger guys, they walk a little bit taller. So it's his batting and it's that sort of general sort of bullish attitude that he brings to the team. Bradley, always good to talk and um, no doubt we're going to talk rugby league with you and the Canberra Raiders in a few weeks' time because uh, we're not too far away from the first boot of the rugby league ball. No worries. Thanks, Timmy. Thanks, Shana. Thanks, Hads. Bye, mate. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Brad Haddon and John Stephenson. Thank you to our sponsors, our wonderful sponsors, Shano, Spartan Sports. SpartanSportsHQ.com. Go to the website. It's a brand new website. They're fantastic gear. And, of course, thank you to our producer, Dan McHugh, who is to podcast what really cheese is to Vegemite on a beautiful piece of toast. We'll be back on Monday. See you then, Shano. We'll see you then, guys.